Hey everyone, welcome to the Agape Seed Ministry Podcast. I am Reverend Dr. James A. Kaikanal, and I would like to thank you for listening. Please share this podcast and enjoy the word. To God be the glory. Amen and amen. Turn in the fifth chapter once again to the book of Joshua. Praise God. As we continue in our series, we're talking about developing strategies for your victory. Strategies for your victory. Uh, It is incumbent upon all of us to be mindful that God has given us the victory. But without a plan, without a vision, praise God, then you have no way of securing and obtaining your victory. The Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. And without a people, the vision perish. So the two go hand in hand together. And so the objective of this teaching is to charge you to seek the Lord, that he will give you a strategy, he will give you a plan. So you will be able to incorporate that into your own personal life so you can see the manifestation of your victory come to pass. It's more than just coming to church. It's more than just being here on a Sunday or on a Tuesday. You're going to have to work this every day of your life. And so God has no respect of persons. He doesn't want to just bless some and not bless others. He wants to bless all of his children. But there's so many who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, but they're not successful in their walk. And, you know, for one or more reasons, multiple reasons. But one of the things that I've discovered is that when you start engaging people in dialogue and you ask them, what's your plan? What's your vision? A lot of times it's foreign to them because they have not been taught it. They have not known how to put it together and seek God. And so as a result of that, what happens is, is that they're just living life aimlessly. To me, I think that's very frustrating to get up every day, okay? God blesses you every day to see a brand new day and have no plan for your life. I think that is so, I mean, and for you who are singles, you have to seek the Lord, not only for your life, but if you are fortunate enough to meet somebody that you can become engaged in, with in a personal relationship that might lead to the altar, the objective is you need to have a vision and the person that you're talking to, they need to have a vision. And then you need to see, is your vision going to be compatible so you can merge together? Now, if the person that you're engaged with, they're going totally contrary, That's an indication, watch this now, that that might not be the God-chosen person for you. Now, let me, can I say this? Can I be honest with you? When you get to your 30s and 40s, okay, in relationships, the priority shouldn't just be physical attraction. I I thought I would get more amens for some folk that have been around the block, you know, at least once or twice. Because it ain't, listen, now, when you're 16 and you and your teenage, it's physical. Ooh, how fine she look. You know what I'm saying? 34, 24, 34, the head, all of that. And vice versa, how tall he is, tall, dark, and handsome, all that, because you ain't got nothing else, you ain't got another point of reference. (laughs) Am I right or wrong? Because you can have just that, and if he ain't got no vision, she ain't got no vision, see, 
who, who is she? How, how does she relate in her family? How, what kind of relationship does she have with her father? What kind of relationship does he have with his mother? You find what I'm saying? Uh, where, what do they do? If they ain't got no job, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, young ladies, if the Negro ain't got no job, and, and I don't mean just black men, I'm talking about men in general, white man, black man, Latino, if he ain't got no job, okay, that's one thing you better take in consideration. So, ain't no, 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 well, he going to get one later on. I'm going to help him. No, he need to help his own self. Matter of fact, listen, listen. Before Eve, watch this now. Before Eve came, Adam was already working. Hello? Amen. Yeah, he was in the garden. He had already been given his assignment. So if he fine and handsome, and he ain't had no job in three years, that's an indication. He fine and handsome, but he lazy. Amen. Gentlemen, she could be fine physically, but if she ain't working, because you're living in a day and age now that it's going to take, you know, almost a two-income two household to make it. Not unless that single person is making twice for, the, for one. Amen? Praise God. And so I just want to just, just put that out there because... If you ain't got no plan, you ain't going to be just getting up every day doing what? Even if you go on the job, what, what, what's, your, what's your goal? I remember when we first got married, I told the captain, I said, in, in five years, we'll have our first house. That's what I told her. I said, in five years, we'll have our first house. We got married in 1981. 1986, we got our first house. Okay? It was a little two-family house, but it was a blessing at that price for $53,000, but Deacon Janabu. Amen. Yeah, $53,000. Yeah, I know that ain't nothing to you, but when you can sell it for almost over 200-something thousand, close to 300, that's a whole lot of, that's a great investment. Hello, somebody. I, I had a purpose. I didn't need Ella Kathy because she looked good. What you bringing to the table to help me? Yeah, see, looks can help you. You just take, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you just take photos of looks. Yeah, you take pictures of looks. People look fine. You take pictures of them. Take a picture of me. Come on, baby. Come on. Amen. Yeah, what, what else you got other than the looks? Bring it to the single guys. That's what you need to be looking at. Single ladies, that's what you need to be looking at. Amen. Am I working over here a little bit here? Amen. I see Shirley and uh, her husband now. Praise God. How long y'all been married? Three years. I seen you coming here this morning looking all youthful and everything. Just come here, just, just bouncing. I said, my man, he working that. He working it. Hit your neighbor on by hit your neighbor on, on each side and say, he working it, he working it. Amen. He from Harlem, from New York. Got him in Patterson girl. Amen. By way of South Carolina. <laughs> Hit your neighbor and say, both of them from down south. Both of them from down south. <laughs> both of them. I met some folk, my wife met some folk from Harlem. And when they start talking, they asked her where she's from. She said, from, well, she, she tried to play it off like she was, you know, ashamed, embarrassed to say she was from Patterson. She says, I'm, I'm from Passaic County. 
I said, what cap? What you talking about? I said, yeah, but where do you live in Passaic County? And they said, Patterson. She, they said, Patterson? So she was smart enough to have a comeback. So they said, well, where are you from? And then they said, we're from Harlem. She said, Harlem? I said, get Gusway. Hey, you got to get back after. You can't let nobody just come up on you like that. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you better stand up for yourself. Yeah. Tell them, by the way, where are you from? Where are you from? Ask your neighbor, say, where are you from? I tell people, I tell people all over the nation. I just got back from, I had to preach in Dallas on Thursday night. I tell them I'm from Patterson. And if I see a small, if I see a hesitance in their response, I use the movie Lean On Me. Everybody done seen that one. Then I have to tell them that Lean On Me, it's 50% is Hollywood hype. Because it wasn't that bad. Where's, where's my East Side alumni? Yeah, okay, all right. Y'all sound kind of weak. I ain't gonna ask you no more. Kennedy, Patterson, Catholic, yeah. Let me get back to the word, because you know, I don't even want to, they're not even a footnote in this message here. Here's my point. In this fifth chapter of the book of Joshua, verses 11 through 13, there's an encounter. And then the encounter that Joshua has is in preparation leading up to the sixth chapter. And what Joshua does is that once it has been distinguished now that the person that he is encountering is a represent, representative of God himself, and told them that the ground that you stand on is holy ground, take off your shoes. The Bible says that Joshua began to worship. From worship, he also said, speak to me, Lord. Now, it's, it's important that you understand the principle. We come in a corporate setting. In what we do corporately, we should be able to do personally, privately, in our own way, according to the pattern that's set corporately. What happens is, in the text, is that as Joshua says worship, then he says speak. That's why it's important, beloved, that we get here on time. Because what happens is, is that worship services are progressive. They start off on a low point. They start off at the point of beginning. And what happens is, as we gather together, and as we go forth in praise, the Bible says, I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter into his courts with praise. The entering in is you're going to enter into his gates with what? With, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving for you're just thankful that God has blessed you and that you're yet in the land of the living. You're going to thank him for all that he's done. That's why you're on your way here. And then after you enter into his courts, you enter into his courts. There's a shifting. There's, you enter into his courts with praise. Praise and, praise and worship prepares us to hear God speak to us. It is when God speaks to us, he reveals his purpose, his plan, and his visions for our life. He gives us answers to the questions that we have. As a result of that, after worship, God says, now in that sixth chapter, he says, see. I want you to see something. There's, only, there's some things that we will only be able to see by the Spirit of God is through worship. Outside of the worship, you're not going to be able to see. Because if you're not worshiping, you will never be able to see beyond the obstacles and the walls that are before you. 
Sometimes the giants and the occupants of the land, the thing that God says I've given you, praise God, it, it could appear to be so, so huge, if you, if you will, so big that we'll, we'll forget that even though the thing that we're faced with is a giant, but when we worship, we'll remember that our God is bigger than our problem and situation. Touch your neighbor, said neighbor, he hit a point for you right there. Tell him, tell him your God is bigger than your obstacle. It's, it's bigger than your giant. It's bigger than your situation. Hallelujah. God will never assign you and give you something to do where you can do it independent of himself. I think our God is smarter than that. Why should he give you something that you can just do without even praying? It always has, listen, here's when you know that it's God, that the thing that God has assigned you, it's bigger than you being able to do it independently of himself. You're going to need him to get you through. I think I got somebody has been through a situation where you needed him to get you through. I think I got somebody that can testify that if it had not been for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. Am I talking to anybody on this row? Give me a row where I'm talking. Hit your neighbor on your row. Said, listen, you might see the outward appearance of me. But it's the God on the inside that woke me up this morning. It's the God on the inside that's getting me through day by day. Sometimes I don't know how I'm going to make it. Sometimes I, I just can't see. But God is working some stuff out for me. Let me work over here. I ain't getting, let me work over in this area here. So, so when, when you look at this whole piece, after worship, then he says, see. See comes after worship. Now, if you don't worship, you will see the deep things of God. This is the year that God is shifting us from walking in, watch this now, from walking in shadow water to shifting us to swimming in deep water. See, watch this. Shadow water you can always walk in. If it's two inches, now you, you can't swim in two inch water. Am I right? Where's my swimmers at? I, 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 it's only three people, you know that, right? I'm talking to this. You can't swim in no two-inch water, five-inch water. Am I right? Some of these people never been to the pool. They only been to the corner with the, with the fire hydrant. That's all they get. That's all they get. They live in the city. That's all they get. They get a little spray. Ooh, the water was cold. Now, you need to go to the pool. Get in the pool. Amen. You need to get to the place where you want to move where your feet, watch this now, that your feet won't be able to touch the bottom. See, because when your feet don't touch the bottom, if you don't know how to swim, you're going to drown. And see, so what God wants to do is get us to the point that we'll learn how to swim and we'll learn how to float. See, when you're floating, you're just resting in God. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, this is the year for unusual miracles to happen in my life. Tell him I'm getting ready to move from this walking in shadow water. Because listen, listen, you can't catch real good fish in shadow water. Tell your neighbor, said neighbor, that's why, you, that's why your little diet is limited because you're just in shadow water. I, need to, I want to catch some big fish this year. Now, now watch this. 
Watch this, watch this. I, I was looking at this, and, and, and we, we talked about the strategy that God gave Joshua, okay, far as he gave to him, I, I've given you the city, I've given you the, the king, the mighty men of valor. Then he talked about the priests, the pastors, blowing the trumpet, so forth. Remember all of that? Told him how many days, how many days were they supposed to march around the wall? Okay, how many days were they supposed to march around the wall once? Six, that's right. On the seventh day, how many days were they supposed to march? Time. Seven. And at the end, and then what were they supposed to do at the seventh? Shout when? At the sound of the trumpet. Don't just shout. Shout when you hear the sound of the trumpet. Okay, it, that was the strategy. Now watch this. I was looking, and the Lord says, do you remember what happened in the 13th chapter? I want you to go to the 13th chapter of the book of Acts. The 13th chapter of the book of Acts. Watch this. Now, this is the church. <laughs> and, and the church in the 13th chapter. <laughs> and they are at Antioch. Everybody say Antioch. Actually, the city of Antioch is the first place where the body of Christ is called the church. All right? It's in the city of Antioch. Here at this particular time, now, let me, let me give you a little historical background so you can understand the setting, the progressiveness. Because... The Bible says in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 11, and God gave some to be apostles, and God gave some to be prophets, and God gave some to be pastors and teachers, and God gave some to be evangelists for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. Up until this point, Dr. Sharitha, praise God, you have four of the fivefold ministry gifts already in operation. You have, number one, you got pastors, you got, no, you got, yeah, pastors, teachers, and prophets, okay? But you have no apostles. And so while they're gathering and they're worshiping, look at what it says here now in, in chapter one. And the Bible says, and in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Everybody say prophets and teachers. Barnabas, okay, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, okay, and as they ministered to the Lord, everybody say, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me. Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Note, if you will, when did the Holy Ghost speak? The Holy Ghost spoke while they were worshiping God, while they were ministering God. Many of you don't hear a word. Now watch this. I want you to understand something here. Praise God. There is a personal relationship all of us have with God. Okay, but then there's a corporate worship. The reason why you come here is to get a word. Now, now watch this, and I've seen the reactions many times over, and it's an indication to me that you spend time with God. There's certain things I will say, and you will look at your partner, and you'll say, wow, and, and you'll say like, wow, God just spoke that to me, or this is my season, or you know, God says something to me this week. I'm just confirming, watch this now, I'm just confirming what God had already spoke to you personally. Do I got any witnesses to that? 
See, now the other ones that didn't, you don't know what I'm talking about because you don't spend time with God. Spending time with God doesn't mean that you got to spend 24 hours. But listen, there's seven days in a week. Every day you should spend some time talking to God. You should not just be a casual believer that you just show up on a Sunday morning and looking for God to bless you. No, it's every, what, what do you do on Monday? Monday is a work day. What do you do on Tuesday? What do you do on Wednesday, Thursday? No, every day should be set aside, okay, time with God. Now, you folk that get up early in the morning and you put God, listen to this, and you spend time with God in the afternoon, you're too late. Now, I'm not saying don't do it, but listen, early in the morning. You remember the, remember the hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty? Early in the morning. My what? Yeah, my soul shall, not your body, my soul shall rise to thee. It is 10 o'clock, after 10 o'clock, you should have spent some time just talking to God before you got here. Are you listening to me? And I found out, listen, when you talk to God, it's not about always offering your petitions and supplications. Sometimes you want to have an attitude of gratitude. I'm just thanking God. God, I just bless you. God, I exalt you. I might not be where I uh, need to be right now, but I thank you for the activities of my limb. I thank you that I can wake up. I thank you that, that I can move about. Anybody great here for today? Amen. Just give God praise. Do what you should have did before you got here. Don't focus on the circumstance or the situation. Focus on your God. Hallelujah. Then what you should say, God, speak to me this day. You when wait tomorrow morning, God, speak to me this day. Speak to me through your word. That means if you speak to me, I got to read the word. If, if God does not speak to you through the word, then your Bible is just printed material. That's all it is. But the word must become, tell your neighbor, say neighbor, the logos must become the rhema. The logos is the printed. This is the logos here. This is the logos. But while I'm preaching, tell your neighbor while he's preaching. That logos has to translate into rhema. The word rhema means it's a personal word for you, you, you. Everybody, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, God's got a word for everybody up in here today. No matter what your situation, some need deliverance, some need finance, some need healing, some need a breakthrough, some need some wisdom. God's got a word for everybody up in here. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And you know what I like about God? God is personal and is private. He don't tell all your business, but he can reveal some of your business. All right? Sometimes, listen, thank God that God will reveal some stuff that you're going through because you won't tell nobody. And the stuff that's personal, God won't tell everybody. He won't, he, sometimes he won't release that. But he knows what you have need of even before you have. Look to your right and to your left and look at make sure that person ain't asleep. And if they are, smack them and tell them, I told you to smack them. Tell them, wake up. Don't go to sleep while I'm preaching. Matter of fact, we're, we're, I, just, I just prepped you all before we got on. Didn't I just prep you about social media? I told you we're what? I told you we're Facebook Live. I told you Spotter and all that other stuff. Now, do you want to be seen worldwide when they pan your pew. Pastor menacing, people getting word, and all of a sudden they're coming on you. 
tell you, hit that neighbor and say, neighbor, no poor advertisement. Watch this. The Bible says, then verse 3, verse 2, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So now watch. The Holy Spirit is saying now, okay, to the group, to the church, they're out of worship. He speaks. He uses one of the people that's present. Separate to me now. Barnabas and Saul for the work that I'm calling them to. Watch. He goes on to say, watch. Now watch. This is where you, watch the pattern. Watch the pattern. The Bible says, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now, if you just look at fasted and prayed, is that correct? Evidently, it, so they didn't just jump up. You got too many people who are just jumping up and running, and you got half a word, no vision, no understanding, but you just, I heard a word from God. No, to fast means that they had to spend more time seeking God. Are you listening to me? And then they prayed, then they released them. Notice now, because we're talking about developing strategies. Developing strategies come out of worship, and it comes out of spending time with the Lord in prayer. And then also, it also comes as a result of leadership, praise God, being able to be in agreement with what God has called you to. Now, what's happening here, this is... Paul and Barnabas now being elevated to the office of the apostles. And they're preparing now to go forth in their first missionary journey. Now again, this is my point. My point is developing strategies for your victory. God has given us the victory. But you've got to have a vision. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a strategy. Does everybody understand that? All right. Now, we talked about in the book of Luke, the 14th chapter, who goes to build a building, who first don't sit down and count up the costs. All right. That's what we got to do. We got to do work. All right. These folk, watch this. It's amazing how you can deal with folk who give you this image of being super spiritual. Okay. Sometimes that's, that, that's, a, that's a deception. Just because you spend time here in church and prayer and you speak in tongue, that's, that's to me, that's not an indication of your spiritual maturity. Because you got folk, praise God, who will play that all day long but won't work. So that let me know you're really not spiritual. All right? Because the Bible says he don't work, don't eat. Ain't no man should be up here every day. I'm spending time 6 o'clock in prayer. I'm just spending time at 12 o'clock. Are you, you got a family, you got kids, and you here? No, you're in the wrong place. Your place is to go get a job. Your place is to provide for your family. You are the caretaker. God got to tell you, never, our God got a whole lot of sense. Now, now watch this, because I want you to look at the strategy. Watch this. Go with me to the book of... Before you go there, let me give you the historical background on that, all right? Leaders, if you will, of the early church arrived at decisions only after fasting and prayer. How did they arrive to the decisions? 
fasting and prayer in Antioch, the prophets and the teachers fasted and prayed, seeking God's direction for the church. Seeking God's direction. So how did they get it? Fasting and prayer. While they waited on God, the Holy Spirit gave direction, thus beginning the ministry, the missionary ministry, which eventually took the gospel to the whole world. Godly leaders, listen to me, rely on God for the direction and the empowering of their lives and ministry. Disciplining, discipline, fasting, and constant prayer are proven means for this. Amen. That's all right. They're just going to take her outside. Amen. We're not going to steal them. And we're not going to claim them as a dependent. Amen. When you claim folk as dependent, I mean, you got to take care of them. We're just going to protect them for right now. Fifth chapter of the book of 2 Samuel. Amen. This is the account of David. And again, talking about developing strategies, which each new challenge comes a different strategy. We saw how Joshua was able to get his strategy through worship. Are you listening to me? This here, now in this fifth chapter of the book of First of Second Samuel, are you there? All right. It says here in verse 17, now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. I want you to underline that. This is so important because what you see here now, the Philistines were David's arch enemies. When they heard that David had been anointed king. Now, if you're taking notes, write down third anointing. Third anointing. Because it's in the first book of Samuels, and it's the 16th chapter, is when the oil is first poured on David. That's his first anointing. He's anointed to become king of Israel. Point of reference, and let's note the pattern. Whatever God has purposed for you, you don't get there instantly and you don't get there overnight. Would you agree with that? It is a process. Tell your neighbor it's a process. Be very watchful. Be very observant that people just bounce up today and they're giants. And they have not paid their dues and they have not gone through the process. That really means that they have no substance, no content. They have no weight to them. Under pressure, they will crumble just like that. Could it just be that God has taken you the long way? And I know some of you are saying, God, when are you going to bring me to? God is preparing you, and what he's preparing you is greater than where you are right now. And so you got to go through the process because he orchestrates, say this, he orchestrates the footsteps of his people. In other words, he's arranging each step of the process. And I found out, praise God, it's not always pleasant. It's not always good. It's not always to my liking. But since, praise God, he's the potter and I'm the clay, I got to learn how to conform. Tell you, you got to learn how to conform to what God is doing because he's preparing you to take you to a higher place. Does anybody here want to go hiring God praise God you that lift your hand I stopped by to tell you this morning it's going to cost you something it might cost your relationship it might cost your family it might cost your friendship it might cost you a whole lot of stuff but listen payday is going to pay after a while 
Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, what God has in store for you is greater than what you are right now in your present. And when you look back to see where he brought you from, you can prophesy to your own self, greater days ahead. Tell your neighbor, greater, prophesy for your own self, say, greater days are ahead for me. Prophesy and talk to yourself. It ain't going to always be like this. I ain't going to always be here right now. God is preparing me for something greater. There might be some knockdowns. There might be some turnarounds. There might be forsakenness. They might forget me. But if God is on my side, God is not going to leave me in the pit. God is getting ready to take me to, from the pit to the palace. Lift your hand and give him praise. It might be some season of painful days. It might be some days of isolation and alienation. Feel like I'm all by myself. Nobody else is here. But God's got you right where he wants you. He gets you right where you want it, where he done separated family, he done separated friend. Ain't nobody else but you and God. You in the perfect place. Can I get a witness, somebody? Lift your hand and say, oh my God. Tell him, I didn't know God was doing all of that. But it's in preparation for where he's getting ready to take me. So you'll, have, you'll be able to stand under the pressure of the platform. Hallelujah. 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 Listen. You know, they, they have, I used to hear this back in the day. Anybody ever see the, the movie, The Godfather? Godfather, you know, it's the trilogy, right? One, two, and three. In one of the movies, they said, the mafia, they said, we'll make him an offer that he can't refuse. You, all, you heard that? Yeah. Tell your neighbor, said neighbor, they stole that from God. <laughs> He'll make you an offer that you can't refuse. I might not have a witness here, but I got a witness in my own Bible. I think he made Jonah. I think he's a witness. Because Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Jonah just did not know because of his experience. Alex Bradford in our day says, your arms are too short to box with God. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you just might as well go ahead and give in and submit to purpose and plan of God. Because God is going to win out. He's going to win out in your life. Watch this. Watch this. I, I looked at this. So, so David now, after he receives his third anointing, the second anointing is found in the second chapter of the book of 2 Samuel. It is after, watch this. Ooh, oh, God, this is so good to me. In the first chapter of the book of 2 Samuel, it is when Saul, and watch this now, it's when Saul and Jonathan die in battle. Now, the, 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 the heir, that, well, not the heir, but the occupant of the throne was Saul. Even though, watch this, God had taken Saul's anointing. All right? And Saul became David's arch enemy. Watch this, because I want you to catch this. David would not put his hand on Saul. Sometimes you can't put your hand on your enemy. Can I keep it real? As bad as we want to. Anybody? Well, let me, all right, let me just work over here. I only got two. Because me and you can relate. Because there's some folk that I would want to put my hand on and beat them down. Anybody else? But tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, can't touch him, can't touch him. 
See, because God don't need you doing what he's going to do for you. Because, see, even though they're your enemy, God will give them a chance to get saved. God will give them a chance to get right. And if they refuse, then they lose. It's not on you. Their blood is not on your hand. It's only after Saul and Jonathan die. And then you'll pick it up in the second chapter. David asks this question. He says, where should we go from here? Should we go up to Hebron? And they went up to Hebron. Now watch this. Watch this. When God's on your side, you don't have to go to try to make a name for yourself. God will cause men to draw, be drawn to you. When they get to Judah, watch this now. Then the men of Judah came and they anointed David for his second anointing. He becomes a tribal king over Judah for seven and a half years. Now, you need to understand, that's why the Bible says despise not that they are small. You got too many little time folk who are trying to be big time with no substance. And your words are light and they have no weight to them. You can't preach what you ain't been through. And you need to stop stealing somebody else's testimony of what God did for them. Give me back to the fifth chapter. Watch this. I figured, because you know, you got too many people just in the way now. They're messing up. You need to go sit, just go sit down. You're annoying. Watch this. The Bible says, and when all, everybody say, all the Philistines went up. Now, it's interesting, if you will, where it says all. Now, it. In other times, it didn't say all, oh, because when David first starts, after he's anointed king, his first battle is with the, with the Philistine, Goliath. It's a one-on-one -on -one battle, all right? After Saul, okay, knows that the kingdom has been taken from him, he becomes David's arch enemy. So it's this little, but on this third anointing, all of the devil came out. Tell your neighbor, said neighbor, could it just be what you are experiencing in this season is a multiplied attack because of what's on your life? See, you can't listen, listen, before you could get through with one-on-one, -on -one, two on two. But listen, it's, it's you better know that you better be with God when 10 to 15 and 20 folk coming at you and you're the only one. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Has anybody ever felt that you're the only one against all of them? But tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. Don't forget, God, if God be for you, he's more than the whole world against you. Tell them, with God on your side, the victory is already won. Can anybody give praise for what you hear rather than what you see? Watch, watch, watch. I only got five minutes. I'm trying to get out of here. All right, watch this, watch this. this. All the Philistines went up to search for David. David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines, watch this, he's in the stronghold. That's a place, that's a fortress place that's secured off. When David hears, watch this, he goes to the place of a stronghold where he's protected. Many of us, watch this, the day of, of the fortress is staying in the presence of God. When the enemy comes out with all attack, okay, the stronghold is not just the physical building of the church, it's spending time in his presence. Psalms 91 says, they that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high God shall what? 
abide under the shadow of the and then listen tell your neighbor say neighbor if you stay under the shadow then you can start talking like God the reason why when some folk when they're under attack and they and they really expose their weakness because they you know they're not in the presence because the Bible says for I shall say of the Lord when I know I got some backup when you know you got some backup when we know that we're secure I shall say of the Lord he is my refuge he is my fortress my God in him will I tell when the enemy comes with an all-out attack you better stay in the secret place of the most high God lift your hand and say father keep me in your presence keep me in your presence Watch, watch, I ain't got time, I ain't got time. Uh, I'm trying to get to where I want to go to. Watch. And so the Bible says, and the Philistines also went and deployed themselves to the valley of Refrain. Now, so, this, I need battery on this, Mr. Lawrence. Come down and change this or put this one up. Amen. All right, somebody help me out, please. It's a strategy here. Amen. Watch. The Bible says, and so, verse 19, and so David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go up? This is very interesting. I want you to take note, Deacon Janabu. Okay? When the enemy comes, his first response is that he doesn't react to the enemy. Notice now, when all of the Philistines come against him, he doesn't respond to the enemy. His first response is he goes and inquires. The word inquired him, he goes and prays before God. Many of you, where you miss it at, you start relying on other folk to tell you what to do. No, you got a direct pipeline yourself with God. Are you hearing me? Watch what it says. So he inquired, everybody said, inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? What does he do? He asks, should I go up? What's the second question? If I go up, will you deliver them into me? See, you got to know that you know that you know you know because you heard a word from God even in spite of your circumstances that God is on your side. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, what's look what he says. Will you deliver them into my hands? He says, look what the Lord says. And the Lord said to who? And the Lord said to who? Now watch this. Just like the Lord spoke to David, he'll speak to you. Go up. Everybody say, go up. go up. For I will definitely deliver the Philistines into your hand. So the only reason why he went up, why? Because he prayed and he asked, shall I go up? The Lord said, go up. Then the next question was, will you deliver? I will deliver them in your hand. He says, David has a word from the Lord. Let's look at the strategy. Look at this now. Watch this. And so David went to Baal Perazim. And David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the place, or the name of the place, Baal Perazim. Underline Baal Perazim, what it simply means is the Lord of the breakthrough. I submit to you in 2019, you are going to experience the Lord of the breakthrough in your life. There's been some things that have been held up. You pray, but God is getting ready to show up in the name of Baal Perosim. He's going to be the Lord God of the breakthrough. Give God praise for breaking through on your. Anybody need God to break through for you? I'm going to ask over here. Does anybody need God to break through for you? Lift your hand and say, God is getting ready to break through on my behalf. Baal Perosim.
the Lord God of the breakthrough. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stuff that's been stuck, he's getting ready to blast them out. Hallelujah. Watch what he says. Watch, watch, watch. And the Bible says, are you still with me? And the Bible says this. And then he called the name of the place, Baal Prince, verse 21, and they left there. This is their images there, and David and his men carried them away. So who, who, who left the images? It's the Philistines. Because the, the Philistines were worshiping idols. Let me translate it so you can really understand. The God that they were dependent upon didn't show up for the Philistine. So they dropped them right there. David gets the victory and he takes and takes out their little gods and he takes them away. They have nothing. They didn't have nothing in the beginning. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying the enemy that's coming against you, he ain't really got nothing. He ain't really got nothing. Are you hearing me? Is this on? Is this on? Is this on? Amen. Give me the other one. Get that. Turn me up, Mr. Lawrence. All right, watch. Watch this. I got two minutes. Watch. This is good. This is so good to me, I'm telling you. And then the Philistines went up, went up once again. Now, I thought that was interesting. Watch. They got the first victory. What was the strategy for this first victory? Can anybody tell me? They fasted. No. It was through prayer. No, not fast. Fasting and prayer is in the 13th chapter of the book of Acts. That was just another way that God communicated. But in this particular passage of scripture, David inquired means that he prayed. Okay? So, but the prayer, out of the prayer, God gives him the strategy. What is the strategy? The strategy is, he asks us, how shall we attack them? Shall we go up? And the Lord says, go up. He says, will you give us the victory? And God says, I will give you the victory. So the strategy is to go straight up. Now watch this. The Philistines, they got defeated, and they went back and regathered, and they came back again. Which also implies just because you beat the devil today does not mean he ain't coming back tomorrow. Does not mean he's not coming back next week. Are you hear what I'm saying? So, so what happens is when they reassemble together, watch this now. Look at the pattern what David does. And the Bible says, and then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephim. Same place. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord. And he said, you shall not go up. Circle around. You shall not go up. Circle around. You shall not go up. Circle around. You shall not go up. What was the strategy for the first time? Was to go up. Was to go up. Was to go up. Now, if, if he had not prayed, and if he had followed the pattern in the first way, he would have lost. Do you see that? Because he says the first time, go up. David goes back and prays again. He says, shall we go? The Lord says, don't go up. But what I want you to do is, I want you to circle them. 
In other words, I want you to lay an ambush. But I got some more that I'm going to give you, David. I don't want you to move once you get in position. Because there's some other stuff. He said, now watch this. Don't you go forward until you hear the sound on top of the mulberry bush. Listen to that. Look at that now. What is he saying? There is spiritual warfare and there's ground warfare. Spiritual warfare and ground warfare. In other words, while we fighting on the ground, the angels is fighting up above. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, it's a guaranteed victory. Watch what he says here. Watch, watch. This thing is so good. Watch. And the Bible says, circle around them, behind them, and come upon them in front of the mulberry tree. Look at what he says in verse 24. And it shall be when you hear, so you got to listen, the sound. Is that what your Bible says? You shall listen and hear the sound of the mulberry bush. For then the Lord will go out before you and strike the camp of the Philistines. So he's saying, listen, get in position. Don't move. Don't go straight up. Circle around. He said, but when you hear the sound on top of the mulberry bush, the Lord is working on your behalf. Look at the strategy. The first strategy was go up. The second time they were attacked, I want you to circle. But I got some folk that's working on your behalf. I'm here to tell you, you need a strategy for your victory today. No matter what you are faced with, you better seek God. Because God will reveal his plan and his purpose. God will also lead you who you'll choose to be with you in this season. You can't have everybody with you. People who were with you in your past might not be relative today in this present situation. That doesn't mean that you break friendship. No, you just want to be in the perfect will of God for God to do what he's planned for your life. Can I get a witness, somebody? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, he's a right now God. And he's a very present help during the time of trouble. Tell him he didn't lead, bring you this far to leave you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Tell him, and it shall come to pass. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you might have had some knockdowns and some knockouts, but God ain't through with you yet. Tell him he's got so much more for you. He's got to bring you through. Because it ain't really about you, but it's about his glory. How many just want to give God some praise here today? Thank you once again for listening to the Agape Seed Ministries podcast. If you would like to sow a seed offering to this ministry, you can find us on Facebook on the Agape Christian Ministry Church of Patterson and hit the donate button. Or you can find us on Giblify. Please come and visit us at 76 Ward Street in Patterson, New Jersey. I promise you, you will not leave the way you came in Jesus' name.